At this point, every information portal is saturated with mindfulness content. But this show is a unique, unusual, curious take on mindfulness. Some of what you hear will be completely new to you. Let's dive in and take a look at the nature of the aware mind. I invite you to deepen your awareness so that you may be liberated and inspired. We are here with Sarah Vallely, mindfulness teacher, coach, and author. Sarah has been teaching meditation and mindfulness for the past two decades, training and certifying others to teach mindfulness. Sarah is the author of four books. Her latest book is titled Tame, Soothe, Dwell, The 55 Teachings of TSD Mindfulness. On today's podcast, we discuss all things regarding pain and pain management and how mindfulness can be used to actually help to reduce your sensations of pain. We discussed a study in which mindfulness was used to help reduce people's chronic pain. I'm Jacob DeRosset. We're here with Sarah Vallely. Sarah, how are you? I'm doing great, Jacob. Mindfulness can reduce physical pain by 20 to 50%. Common types of chronic pain are back pain, fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis, headaches, including migraines, pelvic pain, and neuropathy. And that is pain from nerve damage. The problem with pain medication, such as opioids, is that there can be a lot of bad side effects. There's something called opioid-induced helper idesia. What happens when you have this condition is you're taking a pain medication and you actually become more sensitive to pain. There can be substance abuse issues with pain medication and overdose. So I would have to say it is definitely worth it to give meditation a try. People who have chronic pain usually have higher emotional distress. Like it really affects us on an emotional level. People who have chronic pain are three times more likely to develop depression than somebody who doesn't have pain. People who are in chronic pain struggle with irritability and mood issues more often. When we experience physical pain and emotional pain on a neurological level, that circuitry is actually really close to each other. And so that's one of the reasons that experts believe we experience so many emotions around our physical pain. And it makes sense, right? Because if you're talking about evolution, if you're in pain, you need to survive. And if you have an emotional response to that, then you're probably more likely to get yourself into safety. And then there's also an issue of people who deal with pain and then the pain goes away. And then while the pain's away, having anxiety about the pain returning And when we're in physical pain, there are changes in our ability to think, our ability to concentrate, and our ability to communicate. So it can cause issues on a lot of different levels. A lot of people come to me and say, I'm experiencing back pain. And then once we do a bit of digging, we find a stiffness. And so a lot of people will try to move and situate and they'll try to activate certain muscles. And you see people stretching and wiggling around when they're experiencing discomfort like that. And I found that just doing breathing, just slow inhale, slow exhale. So, so exaggeratedly slow, and then focusing on just releasing that tension in your body to be more effective. When people say, oh, I was doing yard work and I noticed my back was very stiff and I'll show them a stretch to do. But honestly, the breathing associated with the stretching, I have found to be probably more impactful than just the stretching itself. I'll have people do this doorway stretch 
where they reach up and grab a doorway on one side and then cross their feet and shift their hips over. You can imagine this, they, it creates this bow like a posture and it stretches out their side of their back. But then I, I say that the breathing is actually probably more important there. Nine times out of 10, that does help quite a bit. I have a theory about that. I have a theory as to why you're having such success with your clients with breathing to help them with their pain, because the breathing is probably helping them change on a neurological level. And there's all this information out there about how pain changes our neurochemistry and other aspects of our neurology, which makes everything worse. I can see how that breathing would calm some of that down. The brain chemistry in the prefrontal cortex is changed by pain is what they're finding. And this interferes with regulating emotions. So one of the reasons why when we're in pain, it's a little bit harder for us to process through our emotions in a healthy way. The pain also causes lower levels of gamma aminobutyric acid, otherwise known as GABA, which affects our ability to calm ourselves. Well, you're really throwing some Hail Marys <laughs> with these words today. These are really big words. <laughs> I actually practice these ahead of time. <laughs> I, you're so much more brave than me. I would never, <laughs> ever try to say that. All right. Well, y'all know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. You're doing a great job. It's just like, I just can't believe you're even trying. I would yeah. just never try. I'm you're doing to... a good job. I'm trying to sound smart. Yeah, you do <laughs> sound smart. The fact, you, you're at least very brave. The fact that you're even trying it. It's part of the whole smoke and mirrors thing yeah. we got going on here. Yeah. So this, this pain changes our brains. It lowers the level of neurotransmitter glutamate, which affects our memory and cognition. Think about back to last time you had some really difficult pain. I mean, it really does affect our ability to think and our ability to remember things. It's, it's very connected. And the pain affects our nervous system too, of course. It signals to the brain to prepare for fight or flight. And this in itself has huge changes to our entire body. We've talked about this in our fight or flight episode. It, it changes our heart rate, changes our blood vessel constriction and dilation, affects digestion. And also due to an activated nervous system, because of your pain, you might have heightened responses to other threats. Uh, so stressful, it's intense, right? So there's something called MBSR, mindfulness-based stress reduction. Have, have you heard of this, Jacob? Is that Judd Brewer? I believe his name is Judson Brewer. He did the, uh, the app on how to quit smoking and reduce anxiety, and it was all mindfulness-based. Dr. Um, Kabat-Zinn, so he developed this mindfulness-based stress reduction, and a lot of it, the founding foundational reasons for coming up with this method was to help people with chronic pain. And so if you read research about using mindfulness to address chronic pain, it usually involves this mindfulness-based stress reduction. Yeah, it was unwinding anxiety. I've had a lot of people recommend that. So that was, I just wanted to tie that, close yeah. that loop right there. Do, do they address pain? In the yeah, I believe so. I think that the interview I listened to, he was explaining that they'll say things like, okay, you're having a pain in your foot. So let's distinguish the pain in your foot from the anxiety about the pain in your foot. So you, the physical sensation of the pain and then your, your story of the pain. 
Those are two separate things. And differentiating those two, mindfulness is how you would do that, right? You, you're aware of, I feel this, it is there, very poignant. And then the story is over here. I think about that a lot if I'm ever in pain, that I'm very aware of the anxiety surrounding it versus the physical sensation. They are very separate things. Yeah. Well, that's one of the secrets right there, what you're talking about. It's this idea that the pain is a combination of three elements. One is the physical pain. The other is the story, right? The mental, the cognition component. And then third is the emotional component. Using your mindfulness to be able to kind of separate those three components is key to uh, decreasing your experience of pain. And we can't necessarily control the pain, but we can use mindfulness to subdue the story, which is actually making everything worse and making the pain worse on some level. There's this study that was published in a journal called Pain Medicine in 2020. In this study, the participants met for four 90-minute sessions where they learned MBSR and they did this weekly. And then they were also asked to have a at-home practice 10 to 45 minutes per day. In this training, one of the things that they taught is single-pointed focus on breathing. That's a practice of paying attention to your breath, noticing the physical sensations in your nostrils to listening to the sound that your breath makes. Do you practice some of that, Jacob? A lot of the sessions that I do will typically start with some amount of focus on the breath. Me though, I've read and learned so much about breathing that I tend to get very much controlling of my breath. So I typically jump right to sound and sensations. One of the things I like about paying attention to the breath as a single point of focus practice is paying attention to how the breath affects your body. Like what is it moving in your body? Is it moving your shoulders? Is it moving your chest? And then also being curious about what muscles in the body are helping you, supporting you to breathe. So those can be some really great focus points. Have you had anyone tell you that they struggle when they focus on the breath to not manipulate? Yeah, you're right. I mean, in mindfulness, we don't want to manipulate the breath. We're just being aware of it and, and breathing naturally. I personally don't like focusing on my breath for yeah, my, because, either, yeah, yeah. I, I like sounds and a lot of yeah. people are surprised about that because a very traditional mindfulness practice is focused yeah. on the breath. Yeah. I think for me, again, like there, I've just learned so much about breathing and uh, it's just very hard for me to not manipulate to what it quote unquote should be. But I, I remember hearing, I think it was Joseph Goldstein in a talk say a tip that he gives people is to observe that the breath is being breathed by the body mm. more so to kind of remove yourself from it. And uh, that, that was helpful, but still in general, even when I was able to feel like I was able to do the practice, I still enjoy sounds and sensations more. Yeah. I like that. The body is breathing the breath. That's, that's perfect. Another aspect to this training is distinguishing between primary and secondary pain. I don't know a lot about this. I'm really curious about this, but it sounds like after some reading that I've done that this is helpful is to, instead of experience all this big ball of pain to separate them and to actually name, which is the, the primary pain and the secondary, maybe t tertiary pain. Wow. I'm saying all kinds of words today. Yeah, I'm going to have to look into that. I'm curious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and body scan was another technique that they 
taught and my assumption is that they asked the people meditating to be neutral in their observation of the different physical sensations in your in their body possibly starting with their head moving down toward their feet something like that and there was instruction on being mindful of routine activities so that would be like eating brushing your teeth washing the dishes and so maybe that mindful eating maybe they talked about being mindful of the tastes the different smells the textures I will say that paying attention to cravings has been very, very, very monumentally profound for me mm-hmm. to notice like, well, why is it that I want chocolate when I sit on the couch at night, you know, and kind of knowing the psychology about Pavlovian type behavior of every time I sit on the couch, I associate chocolate with it, you know, so that that's been very amazing. But yeah, I had some weird experiences though with mindful eating and, and I would love to hear other people's stories about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do say that mindful eating can be really helpful for weight loss, being mindful and not having this desire to eat as much. Another technique that they taught during this training was noticing automatic reactions to stress. So when they do experience the stress around the pain, what thoughts are coming up, um, what emotions are coming up, what behaviors are coming up. And mindfulness of pleasant experiences in daily life. So I assume this to be to take a moment and breathe that in when you do have something pleasant that happens during your day. Just take a moment to lean into the details of that moment, how it makes you feel and what emotions are coming up. Another technique that they taught in this training was awareness of resistance to pain. This training was not about controlling the pain. This was a training about accepting the pain, being aware of how do we resist our pain. And then the last aspect here of the course was self-compassion around the pain. And so they didn't go into the detail in the study about how they offered this self-compassion to themselves, but I'm guessing maybe it was something like this pain in no way takes away from my worth. Even with this pain, I'm loved. Most of the participants in the study either struggled with back pain, arthritic pain, or neck pain. There was some other pain sprinkled in there, but those were the biggies. 78% of the people that were in the study were on pain medication. And no one in the study had previous mindfulness training, people brand new to the practice. And like I said, there were four mindfulness classes that they attended. 65% of the people in the study only attended three. So that's one of the reasons I believe these results to be really amazing because of the limited nature of this training. One of the things that I found really interesting when I read this study were the difficulties that the participants faced during this process, right? I mean, this is tough. Using mindfulness to help address pain is probably one of the toughest uh, battles to, to fight with mindfulness. When it comes to a mindfulness practice, physical pain can really throw a wrench in our practice to begin with. So I imagine there would be some difficulties that people would be facing. I I think when it comes to mindfulness, the two biggies are concentration. That's something that just people in general struggle with. And then number two, I would say is, is the pain, just having a cold, right? When you're on a retreat, one of the biggest teachers on your retreat is your 
physical pain. And so I was on a retreat once when I had a head cold. That is challenging. So basically what you're doing is you're on that retreat and all you're doing is sitting and meditating, which means all you're doing is feeling the pain of your head cold. The whole retreat becomes about detaching from the story, the hardship story that you're telling yourself about the pain and just experiencing the pain as it is in a neutral way. I ran a half marathon pretty recently and I was running next to a pacer and he was saying, you know, at the end, you're going to be in excruciating pain. The last few miles, you're going to be just really wanting to quit and just wishing it was over. And then as soon as you finish, all your pain is going to end because it's all in your head. It's Mm -hmm. a story you're telling yourself because you're just with your head for hours Mm -hmm. out here. It's pretty amazing what your mind is convincing you of to make you stop. Participants had difficulties because they experienced an increase in their pain because of the actual sitting posture. You're, you're sitting and sometimes that can make a back pain worse or your knees can feel worse. And so the way I would probably address this is moving around a bit, shifting your position. I think that's totally fine. You don't have to stay in a certain position the whole time. Um, and another suggestion I would give is using a meditation bench. What this is, is it's a wooden little bench that's only about maybe six to eight inches high and you sit your bottom on it. And then it has these two little legs on each side and you can either stick your feet through the bottom of it. So you're almost kneeling, but the bench is holding you up or you can cross your feet in front. And my meditation bench, the legs of it are rounded. So you can actually rock a little bit. It's amazing. It creates a much more comfortable experience while you're meditating. Have you ever seen these? Yeah, I had one. I bought it on Amazon pretty cheap and it was pretty painful. So yeah, I just sat cross-legged on my couch and I have a very comfy big couch. And yeah, but the good thing is I'm able to get into a position where I'm very upright, but I'm also very comfortable. I've done different chairs and different postures and things like that. And I definitely notice a very big difference if my back is just even slightly kind of slumped in my ability to focus. Yeah. The upright posture can really help with alertness. Ton. Yeah. Another issue that people faced is they had like increased attention on the pain, which makes sense. I'm not sure how the teachers addressed this, but some suggestions I would make is saying things to yourself, this pain doesn't mean X, Y, Z, because a lot of times that's what we're doing. We're saying, well, because we have this pain, this means that we aren't going to be able to go skiing next month or whatever it is. Another suggestion that a lot of teachers give is to not refer to the pain as pain, but instead to refer to it as a discomfort. So changing the vocabulary around it. And another suggestion is noticing your body and your physical sensations as if you're noticing your body for the first time, just bringing that fresh perspective. The last thing is I love this mindfulness saying, which is right now it's like this. And that is such a great way to move into acceptance to whatever's going on that might be uncomfortable, whether it's a physical pain or something just bad happened, you had to cancel your vacation or you lost your job saying right now it's like this brings you into acceptance, but the right now part allows you to understand that it is temporary. If I'm not mistaken, the Buddha's final teaching was everything ends. They asked him what his final teaching was because he was on his deathbed. 
And I believe he said, everything ends, mm-hmm. which yeah, is, you know, morbid sense. if you're not in the, in the community, but if you are and you're aware the good ends and the bad ends. So the mm-hmm. suffering you're experiencing will come to an end and the good thing that you're experiencing will also come to an end. So you have to be with it, whatever it is. I can see that being really helpful knowing that, yeah, at some point this, this pain will go away. Another difficulty that the participants faced was falling asleep during their meditation practice, which that's just not, (laughs) that's across the board. Everybody has that difficulty. And I think what we were talking about before about being sitting up straight and holding our head up can really help with that. And also standing up, there's nothing wrong with being in a standing position when we're meditating. And emotional distress was another complaint, having more anxiety, having more irritation. And I think one of the best ways to approach that type of anxiety and irritation when we're meditating is to notice where we feel it in our body, really move into the physical part of it and moving out of the the mental part of it. The data shows that they're catastrophizing, their pain decreased by 21%. Their pain acceptance, their ability to accept the pain increased by 23% and their mindfulness abilities increased by 23%. And so these aren't huge, but I think it is significant considering the limited nature of the training. I mean, literally 65% of these people only went to three mindfulness classes and they had 21% increase in their ability to handle their pain. That's totally worth it. Other studies are usually eight trainings. The results are between like 30 to 50% decrease in, in their pain. It's pretty dang good. I would take a medicine if it had like a, you know, that amount of decrease. I mean, a hundred percent obviously is what you want, but you know, if you can get 30 to 50, that's pretty good. Right. That's like that book we read 10% happier by yeah, Dan yeah. Harris. Yeah. It's like, you know, I'll take 10% happier. <laughs> like that could really uh, be a, a big difference in the long run. So yeah, 20%. Um, pain reduction, I will take it. Pretty good. Just from sitting. Yeah, that's great. I definitely spend a lot of time talking with people about how they're feeling and, and how the exercise is causing their body to react. I actually work with somebody that has Lyme disease. And so Lyme disease is pretty gnarly and it causes a ton of things that are, that are still just kind of being discovered by doctors and things. My job is to figure out kind of the objective truths about how the body, the human body needs to be trained and then make it work per person. Picking a heavy weight up off the floor is very good for your uh, body for osteoporosis and muscle mass and things like that. But some people are what we consider to be a flexion and extension intolerant. So their spine gives them a alert signal when they, they round their spine forward or when they arch their back aggressively for that person being very meticulous about how they do that exercise is extremely important. You'd be very surprised. This is what I was mentioning earlier. The breathing is a pretty safe thing to, to mention to somebody to do and to just sit with that tension. And funny enough, that, that relieves a lot of it. The Aware Mind Podcast is a TSD mindfulness production. Please visit our website at tsdmind.org. That is T as in tame, S as in soothe, and D as in dwell. Mind as in mindfulness.org. Check out our blog post for this episode with links to supplemental information such as worksheets you can use to put into practice the mindfulness skills shared in this episode. Also, please sign up for our newsletter and receive mindfulness tips. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at aware underscore mind underscore podcast. Thank you.